0: Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established co-founder of Established Ventures and the team behind the Startup With Your Community and this very podcast. And we appreciate you being here. Thanks for coming back if you've been a long-time listener and thanks to everyone new that's just joined us. In this episode, we're going to hear from Heather Wild, who's an author, CTO, angel investor, coach, and speaker. Uh, she's was the eighth employee at Evernote, which was a startup out in the Bay Area that's grown to be a unicorn. Uh, she oversaw the company's growth, growth from thousands to millions of customers and uh, worked on a number of different portions of their customer relationship and customer support aspects. She's also published popular games, worked at, uh, with the U.S. DOD, Navy, Air Force, Space Force. She's trained uh, Fortune 500 brands, advised hundreds of startups, and managed multinational nonprofit programs. She's currently, she's the uh, CTO of a company called Racketeer. And she's also, that, that company actually does coaching, mentoring, training, consulting, uh, all for individuals, teams, and brands. And today we're going to be talking about her book, which came out last November of 2020. And uh, it's called Birth of a Unicorn. It's six basic steps for success. Uh, It's Birth of a Unicorn, six basic steps to success, which is available out on Amazon. If you get uh, the link in the show notes, you can check it out or just search on Amazon for Birth of a Unicorn. Before we jump into that interview, though, I want to briefly talk about start of the year in our community. When Jen Consalvo and I started this company, our mission was to, you know, really help start startup founders, and it was a bit of a continuation of what we our work with our years with Tech Cocktail and TechCo, and uh, wanted to really help everyone with their startup journey. Uh, that was a, an aspect that we we tried to do through our other work as well. So here we are. We've got community programs and resources to help educate and build relationships. We also offer an opportunity for um, everyone to celebrate the fine work that everyone's doing at our annual. Awards. So we have our Startup of the Year Awards, which come up in the uh, at the end of the year. And uh, if you're a startup, it's time again to join, to be a part and be in the running for a shot at being a Startup of the Year. And I invite you as a startup founder to listen, um, listening to join our growing startup community and partake in our 2021 Startup of the Year Awards. So just all you have to do is be a part of our community and the top companies will will invite especially to these these this event. But if you're not in there yet, if you're not part of our community, you need to apply. So simply go to SOTY.link forward slash apply uh, to be eligible for the start of the year awards. You've got to raise less than $5 million in funding or, um, you know, zero to $5 million in funding or have a functional prototype beyond just the idea. And we'll be inviting a, a handful, probably 100 companies out to our annual summit which will take place in the in the fall, and we'll have additional opportunities to connect, showcase, and potentially take home the title of Startup of the Year at that summit. So, looking forward to it, and looking forward to some special announcements about that soon. So, stay tuned. Uh, but before we do, we're going to jump into that interview. All right, let's let's catch up with Heather Wild. Welcome, Heather. So great to hear you, hear your voice and see you again today. Last time I think we connected, we were in Las Vegas, and it's it's been a while. So, really, really appreciate you being here and, and joining me today on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Frank. I'm really excited to uh, hear from you too.
1: Yeah. And since, uh, since I last talked, I think you wrote a book, right? You've got a new book called birth of the, of a unicorn, six basic steps for success. Congratulations. That's a big effort.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's being, uh, received really well, uh, with entrepreneurs and also with people that, uh, I didn't expect that are outside the tech community. So that's, uh, but I'm really happy with the the reception.
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a great book. It really talks more about life in general. So I want to talk about that in a minute. But before we jump into that, let's just kind of level set for all of our Start of the Year podcast listeners, and um, you know, give us a little bit of background on what you've been up to lately, and we can then jump in because uh, I want to talk a lot about you know the book and everything you've been doing like with Evernote and everything and that whole story because I think it's really interesting. But let's let's just jump in. What have you been up to lately?
0: Oh my, what haven't I been up to? Well, actually, uh it's it's interesting because a lot of people with with COVID, uh, the last couple of years, they've been able to take a pause and rethink and and do all that stuff. And I haven't been able to take any breaks at all. Um uh I have been working closely with uh the DOD and the government, and we've actually crossed uh, paths on on doing that as well, um, on how helping to work with innovation in the Air Force, and the Space Force, and across the DOD, uh, Department of Defense, for those that don't like acronyms. Um, also uh, have been working with uh, like the UN, and the CDC, and the WHO, and groups like that on uh, COVID and vaccine responses. So I mean, this has been a huge, huge uh, busy time for me uh, and my, my company in the past couple of years. Um, and also, I have a nonprofit that is uh, towards education uh, of the underprivileged and underserved around the world, uh, towards AI and machine learning to help them upskill and reskill, because I mean, there's a coming AI dawn. So I want to make sure that the entire world is prepared for that. And um, yeah, so I've been super busy.
1: <laughs> well, that's great to hear. And you wrote a book as well, so I'm assuming that that's taking up. You know, taking up a little time as well as you give talks and things of that nature. But um, yeah, we definitely crossed paths. Uh, it's funny how that works. We came from a startup place and ended up in a, a government kind of place. But there's a lot of work, great work to be done in that space, and so that's why I think we've been drawn to it. And so let's um, let's just kind of jump in and talk about kind of the, the early kind of you were one of the first. You're the eighth employee at at Evernote, and I was a big fan of Evernote. Used it for a long time. I still have an account and use it every so often but I think for the first part and when it first came out especially I was like a diehard user and want to just kind of like jump in and talk a little bit more about your how you got involved in Evernote and maybe you know share you know kind of level set for everyone what, what that was like. Wow uh,
0: so when I when Evernote first started it was a germ of an idea, just like it is for every entrepreneur in, in one person's head. Uh, and that person was Phil Libin. He wanted he wanted to create a product that would a, be able to remember all of his thoughts and ideas and, and memories and everything when he was uh, 90 years old and his memory was failing. And so he just kept thinking, I want a I want a ribbon of time that would take me, I mean, that I can just look at and and it'll remember things for me. And I'm one of Phil's um, older friends, I mean, friends that go back for a long time. And uh, I'd worked with him on a company before that. And he just kept talking to all of us, uh, trying to refine this idea and make it happen. And like every every conversation he had with us would get it closer to what would become Evernote. And then finally, he met um, another founder that had already created a company called Evernote with a capital N um, that, that had released something close to what he had pictured in his own mind. I mean, you can never really get into a founder's head, but he, I mean, it had already gotten somewhere there. And then he's like, hey, this is already kind of in the right realm. Um let's let's take this over and turn it into the rest of the way and at that point he pulled all of us in and uh, we turned it into Evernote with a lowercase n that a lot of people already know.
1: Wow that's great so I I didn't realize that that's how it started that's really interesting so he kind of took the the name and just ran with it with the idea that he had. Um, Really cool and you you jumped in um, to really help with the uh, customer support which in customer service, which is really interesting because you and I both met in a very interesting way in Las Vegas, you know, centered around um, Zappos and Tony Shea and the whole downtown project and customer service being at the center of that. And I don't know if that's why, but I, I don't remember exactly, but you can kind of share in a minute. <laughs> but um, but at the end of the day, it's uh, very interesting that's where you came from. So I'd love to hear, you know, you've got this extensive, extensive knowledge in customer service and you helped build this system for Evernote, which now, you know, is a unicorn and I want to just get your take on what it, what it, um, what it was like to do that early on and, and how you continue to like grow that out.
0: So I'd actually come from a background of game design. And uh, even before that I was working, actually, I started out with government um, and, uh, and then went into airlines. So um I'd had an idea of how an enterprise large scale system is supposed to work uh, when it does function. And that's in pods. Like you, you take a, it's like a hub and spoke kind of system where you have small groups of people um, at the end that need to connect uh, to a larger kind of brain. And when we were building out Evernote, I had the idea that it was going to be at some point, this large scale enterprisey thing eventually. so, and it was also it was going to be a customer facing. It was always going to be about the customers spreading that. So when we were building out, like what will Evernote be? I always was doing it from the perspective of, the end user using the product, and the enterprise customer that was eventually down the line. So, um, as like from a customer support perspective, from a QA perspective, and from a uh, like a systems perspective, like in the technical background, we built it like an airline. And I, I know, and, like, when I ended up working in, in Vegas later with, with Zappos, like, uh, it, was, it was kind of the same thing. Like, they were building it um, systematically so that they would be able to be an enterprise uh, organization to be able to deliver things uh, from, like, a central brain to people uh, individually at their homes. I know it sounds a little strange, but... Uh, when you're when you're building a startup, you have to think what is the end goal for what is the end experience for every user, and it's for any SaaS platform. It is all about the experience. It's all about the customer.
1: No, that that makes a lot of sense. It's just you know from a startup perspective, you may not be thinking of that from the get go. So how you know what did you you know what made you was it your past experience or what what made you kind of go that route, and then what can you know startups that are listening take from that? Like how can they best approach customers, I guess, and and how to handle that customer support from that? Is it, you know, create a, how do you create that brain? I guess is the best
0: question there. Yeah. Uh, So this was our third company. Uh, Evernote just didn't happen overnight. It was, it was the third one that we'd all created together. Um, And even before that, we'd all had experience working. It wasn't just like we decided to wake up one day out of high school and create a company. Before that, we'd had experience working, um, and but so we did have experience even at 20 years old. Um, whether that came from airlines or government or McDonald's or wherever, we we understood how how experience worked. Um, I lived in Disney World for six months to learn everything about Disney and how they did experience that I could soak in. Um, we're going to but, talk about
1: that a little bit later because you've got some really <laughs> great adventures under your belt
0: yeah but the um how a normal like everyday startup that's just starting out like the best thing that you can do is talk to your customers talk to the people you want to be your customers talk to the customers of the competitors of the companies that you're thinking of doing and see what is it that they like about the products that they're using what is it that they don't like what would they want Want their experience to be, and just think about the products that you do use right now, and like, what is it that you like? What is it that you don't like? And and just create a map of all of that, and eventually you'll be able to think your way through a user journey.
1: That's great advice. Great advice. And along those same lines, now you know you started with just you, and at your time at the time, it sounded like your husband doing the uh, Leon doing the uh, customer uh, support for Evernote. But then you had to grow, right? You had to scale. You you grew the company. The group the company grew from, you know, a couple hundred thousand, hundred thousand users to a million users, and then to five million users and on. How did you grow um, that process? And what were some tips about building that team? You know, you it's a really important question for startups as they continue to grow. And you you were there at the beginning. And how did you scale and grow that team?
0: So when we decided, when we started to understand that the work that we had was going to take more time for one person to do than they'd be able to get done in a a normal workday consistently, and and I'm not talking about a startup workday where people are like expected to work 16 hours a day. I always think about what would an average person uh, be able to do in a nine to five day, uh, because you cannot scale at uh, at 16 hour days. You can only scale at eight hour work days. So what, uh, so whenever we had too much work for one person to be able to complete consistently in um, like a work week uh, that would, and it would just back up too much, Then uh, then that was time to uh, to hire somebody else like it didn't matter that I could complete three people's work in a day right uh, if, if I was if I was doing that much work then I needed to hire somebody
1: right yeah that's not sustainable over time and if anything happened to you you know obviously yep. the company wouldn't be able to keep moving at the same same pace so it makes a lot of sense um, let's talk about uh, you know early early iPhone right so evernote came out <laughs> iPhone didn't exist iPhone comes out app economy you know what was that role what is the role of the iPhone in in the app economy and um, you know the, the path and trajectory i've ever known and, and how did you guys take advantage of it
0: oh my gosh it was huge we had some um, great bizdev people on our team alex Patchkov was instrumental in making sure that we got in the app store on day 1 Um, we didn't have an app, an iPhone, uh, to test on. Um, we didn't have an iPad to test on. Like we just had the code and we had the, the dev, like, so we knew, but we knew that we would get on into the app store on day one based on like all of the relationships that we built. Um, and, and then from then on, like, because we were in the, that app store on day one, like every app store that existed, we made sure that we would be there. So like we were in the Google Glass store on day one. We were in the Blackberry store on day one. We were in the Palm uh, Pre store on day one. So like every, like we we just became uh, so di- diluted to make sure that there was a team for every single platform. Um, but in, in hindsight, we should have just focused a little bit more rather than being like, we're gonna be number one in everything on day one. Uh, And just focused on like, what are the users actually using? Right.
1: No, that makes sense. But yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, it had to have impacted the the stuff you guys were doing behind the scenes with feedback, you know, customer feedback and customer support. Right. Every time you had a new platform.
0: Um, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, all five users of our Palm Pilot version were so (laughs) angry when we uh, stopped using. I'm kidding. There were about a thousand users of them and they were really upset when we disabled it.
1: (laughs) Oh, I bet. Yep. (laughs) They're up in arms. Yeah. So um, interesting, interesting stuff. And I well, I, I, love some of the, the things in the book here. So we're going to shift over, um, talk about that. So you wrote this book. I uh, wanted to find out what what inspired you to write this book. And again, the title of the book is uh, Birth of a Unicorn, Six Basic Steps for Success. It's out there today. It came out in November of 2020. So you can go get it right now on Amazon or other places. So what inspired you to write this book?
0: So uh, interestingly, um, when I started at Rocketeer, uh, which is the company that uh, you and I met uh, because of in uh, Las Vegas, uh, Mark Rowland, who is the CEO of of Rocketeer he is a coach, um, a very, very good coach. And um, he said that in order to become a better CTO, um, more confident and everything, I needed to get out and start speaking and telling my story. And uh, so when when we started working together, he said, OK, we'll go out and start start speaking, start t- talking about all this stuff. And he noticed that the stories that I was telling to people were um, really engaging and, and helpful and stuff. He's like, OK, now you need to write it down. So I want you to write a book now. And so I did. And he's like, I can't believe you actually wrote the book.
1: Yep, that's great. work. But, a mark.
0: but that, that, that's it. That's how that's how it came about.
1: Well, it sometimes just takes a little nudge and that's, that's really powerful. And and Mark, actually, we worked really closely with him as well. with downtown project back in the tech octal, tech co days. So um, he's been a really good mentor and coach for us as well. So, um, and even today, right. So with some of the stuff we're doing, so appreciate uh, that hearing that that's really great to hear. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about um, maybe, well, first off the book really is interesting because it, ties between, it kind of tells a story between, I don't want to give it all away, but between your personal and professional life and that work-life balance. And, and you've done some really interesting things. I mean, you live this digital nomad lifestyle on a 47-foot you know, sailboat in Mexico <laughs> while building a uh, what essentially turned into a unicorn in Evernote. So what advice do you give anyone trying to improve their work-life balance? Obviously not going to that extreme, but just what advice would you give to anyone that's like, oh, I got to try to figure out something here.
0: I think that, I mean, so interestingly, uh, we, we went to Mexico because, uh, it was too expensive to live in Boston. Um, and it was certainly too expensive to live in San Francisco. So, um, I think that the best advice is if you're overwhelmed, if you think that you can't, um, uh, Um, afford your cost of living. And people are doing this now. They're looking to see what other options there are. So you don't necessarily have to move on to a sailboat. Um, But look for where you're going to be more happy, where your cost of living, uh, because finances are a huge stressor for people. I mean, I, my marriage, was falling apart because I couldn't even talk to my husband about credit card bills that were racking up and all of those red notices we were getting because I, like, I was trying to decide whether to pay the heating bill or the electric bill or whatever in Boston. Um, And I mean, I was making $100,000 a year and it cost us like $120,000 to live there. So, so, uh, but living in Mexico on a boat was like, oh, we got out of debt and we were, Making great money by doing that. So thinking about what you need in your life and what will allow you to have the uh, ability to to do the things that you want to do with your startup, with your life, with your family. That's that's the first step.
1: That's that's great advice, and it just sounds like it was an amazing adventure. How long how long was that? You were down there in Mexico. Five years. Wow. Phenomenal. You've probably got some really good stories about some of those sales and and obviously some are in the book and I don't want to give it away, but you'll have to read the book to find out. But um, how did you, you know, I guess while you were doing that, obviously you talked about a lot about how it was really, it helped to be on the boat because it kind of focused you during, during certain times. And then you'd have your adventures on the weekends. Um, I guess for anybody listening, how do you find that career and, and professional life balance, you know, like if if it isn't, you know, the boat, like, and I know it's sometimes it's financially driven, maybe it's something simple, you know, within your area, like, how, how do you balance that stuff? Because it is such a blend these days.
0: Communication. Like, the, the main thing is, like, and, and I figured this out. I mean, it, I was, it, it took many, many years to realize that the, the main thing that I was missing was, being able to open up and, and just be communicative. It's not that I was purposely hiding things. Uh, It's just that I'm, I'm an introvert and my natural state is being quiet. And I've noticed that a lot of people are like that as well. Even if they're extroverts, they're just like when they're at home with their spouse uh, or with their significant other, or even with their business partners or whoever, you're just so used to trusting that the other person is like, they know how you think for some reason that you're just quiet and you don't tell them what you're thinking. So being over communicative, um, is, is now my default. And that has, and I recommend that to people like crazy because it is so much better of the state of mind.
1: That makes sense. And you, you talk about a, a number of key things in the book, um, significance, love, connection, and there's quite a few others but uh and i loved how you you kind of shared each one and then gave some ways to actively and you know improve or engage in each one of those um which do you think is the most important of those d- different factors uh
0: i think the most important one is the one that resonates most with you like for me um my greatest need is for contribution um, um and I, I feel that by, like, I'm always giving gifts to people. I'm always giving back to community. I'm always, um, like, the, if, if I am not filling my need for contribution, then I am depressed. So, but, like, figuring out what it is for you that you need the most, that's, that's the one that, that you need to fill. But we all need a little bit of all of them.
1: That uh, makes sense. And you mentioned uh, a moment ago, and you mentioned in the book as well that there were some times that were, you know, some lows, some real lows. You guys were working really hard around the clock. Um, you know, under understaffed. It sounded like a little bit as you continue to grow. And there was a, an interesting section in there about um, something that kind of pulled you out of it. And uh, I, loved, I loved, I loved the the idea that it was <laughs> it, it was actually something fun that brought joy. And it, it's um, it was a segue, right? So it was, and a segue is really important in your life. Yep. Can you share a little bit more about how that helped you and, and get out of the kind of rut that you were in? Uh, it sounds like you were pretty depressed at the time.
0: Yeah. So, one of the things, and this is a huge problem for women, especially, but I mean, everyone can relate to this. Like, when you are working so hard, you expect that other people re- are recognizing that you're working so hard and that you're doing so much, but in reality, everyone else is working as much as you are probably in a company, especially at a startup. So nobody's going to give you a pat on the back for that because you're all working super hard. And so like I was getting really depressed and, and worn down because like no one was paying any attention to the fact that like we were, I mean, we'd worked like months and months without a single day off. We were working the 16 hour days and and it was it was really hard and but i did have somebody there that was noticing it was it was my husband he was because he was working right there with me every day but he knew that i was working slightly longer hours and not taking a break and he he then schemed behind my back because i wouldn't have noticed anyway to uh, get me a segue which was something that i'd always wanted and of course it's like a status symbol in silicon valley to have a segue especially at the time But um we couldn't really afford a new one. So he found some used ones. And like then he like he drove away on on the weekend like two out two days he was gone and then came back and he had two segues for us uh when he came back and I was I just cried. I was so excited when I saw them and like and then I mean I'm even crying thinking about how happy I was when I saw them because he recognized that I needed a boost. And and then like just every time I would get on the Segway, it was just pure joy. And then it would infect the other people around us too, seeing the two of us being like so dorky with our bike helmets on and our elbow pads and all that going through. But I mean, and then we'd let, let everybody ride them too, like little Mexican kids getting on like riding a Segway. But it was just, it was so fun. And it just, it instantly brought me out of, of the depression.
1: That's great. And interestingly, it kind of sounds like it It kind of dovetailed into um, into something else that's a big thing right now in, in a lot of different companies. And, and it's been the kind of the to- hot topic lately is, is um, community. And uh, it sounds like the segue kind of pulled com- people out of the community together. And I saw that thread in a number of different ways within the different experiences that you got involved in with boating community. And then in Mexico, there were certain kind of communities. And then you also ended up being an RVer, right? So yes. what, so we'll talk about the RV in a minute, but um, I wanted to hear your thoughts on just community in general and how a startup might be able to, to drive that and kind of the benefits and just overall what you guys did when you were doing uh, Evernote.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, so when you're building a startup, unless, unless you're, sp- purely just building a, a b2b or or an enterprise level community i mean an uh, enterprise level startup uh, where you you don't need to to have raving fans um, as tony shea would have said um then your your goal is to to build up a community you need to have people that are there to support you um, as you grow and uh have uh, like being able to reach out to people um, whether it's for advice on on whether you have like a book cover that that is like uh like the right book cover the right uh icons uh, whether whether you can have people to ask to beta test your product um or just somebody that you can reach out to turn to if you're crying at night um like having having a personal community is good having a professional community is essential, and and then building like a fan base, building ambassadors, and uh, that tribe of of people that adore your products. Um, I mean, j- just think of all the people that walk around wearing um, like Burger King uh, hats around the world. Like even even Pharrell wears like the the Arby's hat. I mean, people that just love products and are willing to talk about them for fun. Um, because they're they're fans of them and not because they're being paid for that that that's the goal so uh yeah communities because people are like naturally affiliated towards something uh that's what you need to tap into as you're growing
1: no that makes sense and it sounds like um, you guys had built some community and did it around uh, even around the iphone i think what was it called elephant spotting so you saw people using the iPhone yeah. and iPhone app for Evernote back in the day. And you did some fun things with, with giveaways and whatnot. So um, really interesting stuff. Anything, any, any lessons learned there that you want to share?
0: Yeah. So uh, we would run uh, campaigns. So uh, well, contests really that if, if we wanted, we, we always had different t-shirts and stickers and things that we would give out. And rather than us design them, uh, we would run, Uh, design contests so we would have people design what the new t-shirt should be and then like by asking all these amazing uh, like artists to come up with awesome artwork not only would we have like great things designed for us for free but then like uh, it, it would people would be sharing like vote for my thing to become the next Evernote design. Um, or the and and then we'd also have hackathons where like we'd open up our API to for like great designers to and developers to like use our API to get their products into our system and that's how like Sketch was developed and Penultimate and Peak and some of the other products and then. Uh, and then like there's even a lot there's a lot of people in the Evernote marketplace that don't even know they're using Evernote because they're using some other product that's just using the Evernote API and so i mean you can there's so many ways to grow a product and a lot of those things we were just inventing that other people are now using as a standard
1: yeah very cool you guys are blazing the path all right we we're getting we're getting to be about at time is there <laughs> anything else you wanted to share uh, about the book or just overall thoughts who 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 do you want to, who who did you want to write this book for and any other thoughts about it
0: well i really wanted to write this book for people that are buying business books and don't understand how it applies to them because there i see so many people reading business books and then they're like well great so amazon is like a trillion dollar company and I'm just getting started and I, I can try to figure this out. Um, Somebody told me once that they read this one book about how to lose weight. And it was, it changed their life because they were like inside of it were the actual steps that this person followed and the motivations behind why they followed these steps at every point in time. And like the person read this, they followed the steps, and they actually lost weight in the same way. So I read that book and I decided, well, that makes sense. I understand it. And it was because the person gave you the motivations, gave you the context of why they did something. And I haven't found another business book like that. So that's why I wrote this in this way.
1: I love it. So yeah, totally. You needed it. So you need, yeah, try to drink the own, your own champagne there a little bit and that, that's that's scratch your own itch, if you will. So that's really great. Um, so, all right. So that makes a lot of sense. So uh, I guess to wrap, are, is there anything else you wanted to share or anything else? Uh, or I guess where can people get in touch with you if they wanted to connect?
0: Uh, well, you can find me uh, on the internet anywhere. Uh, I use Heatheriel as my uh, socials. And uh, you can also find me at heatheriel.com. And uh, really, just I'm I'm pretty reachable. Uh, I'm generally pretty busy, but I always make time for um, helping out entrepreneurs. So um, happy to to talk to any of the the people that are listening to this podcast. And and, and uh, I always I always make time for fifteen minute meetings on my calendar.
1: Thanks so much, Heather. I'm sure our listeners will take a lot from your story and really interesting stuff with um, your early early beginnings there with uh, Evernote. And it's always, I always love hearing those stories. So thanks for sharing uh, on this episode. And if you were listening and you found this conversation helpful or you thought it was interesting, please do share it. And uh, hopefully somebody new will learn something as well. Sharing is caring. All right. Before we go, I wanted to spread the word about Finmark. They're a company that came through a start of the year in our community. And, uh, you know, something that we really believe in, we feel like it's, it's helpful for companies that are in the community. So Finmark is actually a financial planning software for startups for revenue forecasting, cash projections, and runway. So it's one of the few products that we feel like can do that job. Um, the current de facto is probably Excel. So uh, this will help you uh, figure it out in a better way and potentially not make mistakes that could cost you millions or potentially billions of dollars. So go check out Finmark and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial on us if you go to est.us forward slash Finmark. Again, it's est.us forward slash Finmark. Okay, folks, that should do it for today. If you're a startup or you have a startup idea and you wanna get it going today, today is the best day to start up, not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going, get it out there, and I encourage you in doing so to join our community for access to support, expert advice and resources, everything you need to elevate your startup and enjoy the journey. So go to SOTY.link forward slash apply and become a part of our community today. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Thanks again for listening. Wishing you the best of luck and future success in all of your startup adventures.
0: Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.